0: Hi, welcome to the 12th House. I'm Michelle Pelazon, your host and the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. Delighted that you're here with me today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. I'm so excited for today's episode. We are talking to Minoj Diaz of Open. Minoj is one of the founders of Open and oh my god this is such a good episode so i'm kind of a fangirl (laughs) and and i trust me i i tamp it down after like the first two minutes which i think we might have even edited out so there's not too much gushing we get really we get we get like right to the heart of some pretty intense questions in this episode but i'm just so excited to have minaj on that on the podcast because obviously huge fan of open have been on the platform for months and months and months and have taken so many of his classes. And it was just a delight to be able to have a two-way conversation. We talk about a lot because we are currently exploring the idea of multiplicity and spirituality on the 12th House podcast. Uh, It's our series for the next couple of weeks. We just finished up a meaning-making systems series. And before that, we talked about manifestation and debunking slash Finding the Truth in Manifestation. So if you want to go listen to those series in the past, go check them out. But what we're talking about over the next few weeks is the idea of multiplicity, of having and containing multitudes and not cutting off those parts of us in order to be one thing. I think so often in the spiritual and wellness space, when people talk about authenticity, they really describe it as a boiling down, right? Of a like sort of reduction sauce. And then, you know, you reduce down to this like really pungent, strong flavor. And everything, all that mass, all that heavy mass that you were before, your authentic nature is this one word or is this one thing. And I couldn't disagree with that more personally. I don't want to burn off the parts of myself in order to become like reduced down to one simplified version of me because it's easier for someone else to understand. I want to contain all the elements and aspects of myself. I want to be this prismatic thing that when you hold up to the light, depending on the way the light shines, I, I look and sound and taste and am a different way, but it's always me still. I think that that offers us so much more freedom and I worry that when we talk about authenticity as being this one thing, my authentic self, my one authentic self. And when we ignore complexity is I think when we get into trouble, right? When we get into black and white thinking, when we assume or expect people to be one way, to be one perfect way. To me, that's like why we're so up on, on canceling people, right? We want people to be a way. And when they aren't, When they act in a different way than we expect them to, we reject them. And uh, this doesn't really leave room for our humanity. And I feel like that's why we're here, you know, (laughs) just learn how to be human. So I'm really excited about today's episode because we're talking about multiplicity. And I feel like Manoj is such a good example of this because he is this incredible enlightened person you're going to hear but he's also this like badass intuitive business owner and who's running a team and who's working with venture capitalists. And I'm not going to lie to you, we get into it in this episode. I did not shy away some, from some really tough questions because in many ways, I think that open and what open represents is totally antithetical to a uh, venture capitalist backed business. And I was really curious to hear from Manoj to what his perspective is and how he came to the decision to raise money for open and to build the beautiful platform that it is today and sort of what the goal is. We also talk about stereotypes that people in the business space or people in the spiritual space, I should say, aren't the best at business and that they have to sort of stay in front of the camera or just teach class and be the talent and not be behind the scenes running the business and looking at the numbers and taking investor meetings. And Manoj does both those things. He talks about his daily schedule, which like totally... (laughs) (laughs) left me feeling dizzy. I don't know how he does it all. And we talked about this idea of what, what we're seeing with places like Peloton and Open and all these gigantic corporations that are really acquiring talent and investing in talent, right? I wonder what that means for those of us who, you know, our brand is who we are and our IP is like what we live by and and our code. And Manoj and I talk a lot about that in today's episode because he experienced that as someone who was running a business, a meditation business in Australia, and then effectively got acquired and connected with the open team and became a co-founder with the open team and they pulled him under the umbrella of open. So it's a really interesting episode, I think from the business side and also from the human side, you're going to hear a lot about Manoj's experience and how he got to where he is. And it affirmed for me that we can just contain multitudes and also that it's kind of hard, right? And I think that that's why the idea of reducing down to one thing is so incentivizing <laughs> because, because it's easy to be one thing. Because then you don't have to choose, right? You don't, and you don't have to be rejected. And I don't think that protecting yourself is necessarily bad, but I also think that having the choice to show up how we want to and show different elements and aspects of ourselves puts us at the risk of being rejected by people who have already accepted us because they're perhaps going to reject Another version of us. And I think going all the way back to what open does is it helps us come home to ourselves and find solace in ourselves, right? And know who we are and know that and trust ourselves that we've always got our own back and we know how to self regulate and that we can feel those things the pain of rejection or of not being liked or of not living up to someone else's expectations of us and survive and be okay and also acknowledge that it sucks. And I think that's what's scary about meditation and breath work is that it's not about the sort of like reduction of feelings or like wiping the slate clean of our feelings and what we're going through. It's really opening up to feeling them even more deeply, knowing that we're safe to do so and that we're not going to die. <laughs> even though it might feel like it. And it's almost like being able to touch the depths of who we are just for a second. And then and then we pull our foot back. We're like, okay, great. I did it. I, I did it. Next time I'll do it, try to do it for two seconds. That's what meditation feels like to me. <laughs> so that's the episode and I can't wait for you to listen to it. We also, at the very end, I asked Manoj, what did I, what should I have asked you that I didn't ask you today? And his answer is very good. Very, very good. So wait till you get to the very end of the episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. All right. With that, here's Manoj. Manoj, it's so nice to finally talk to you. Hi.
1: Hey, nice to finally talk to you too.
0: And where are you tuning in from?
1: Right now I'm tuning in from a very sunny, albeit humid Santa Monica.
0: Amazing. I'm on the east side of LA. So also very sunny, also very hot. And you are a relatively new California resident, right?
1: I am. I am. I'm about seven months, maybe seven and a half months old in, in LA.
0: Wait, really? That's it?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, and where were you before LA?
1: So I was living between Melbourne and New York for about five years, was somewhat stranded in Melbourne for nine months during COVID and and the lockdowns, And uh, and somehow within all of that, found my way to LA.
0: Wow. I have a a bunch of friends who are Australian who were stranded outside of Australia and have Mm. not been able to get back home since COVID started. And like, that sounds like a nightmare.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't at that point I couldn't leave Australia, and right. now I can't actually get back. Go and, back. Yeah, so it might be a while since I get to see my family.
0: Hmm. I'm sorry to hear that, but I mean, selfishly happy that you're in LA.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just riding the waves of you know what is going to change this week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's been the big lesson of the. I mean, there's so many lessons in this season of COVID and pandemic life globally. That it's just like, go with the flow, man. <laughs> There's nothing yeah. you can't really control anything. So, all you can yeah. control is your response to it. Mm, yeah, exactly. And you moved to be with Open, right? To sort of be boots on the ground here in, in LA.
1: That's right. Yeah. So, um, in the backstory to that is I had a company prior to, to Open that was called A Space, which mm-hmm. at the time was Australia's first drop in meditation studio. And I was fundraising for that in 2019 and had found investors, had found uh, new partners. Uh, My girlfriend at the time was living in New York. So all my plans were to move to New York uh, Mm. in 2020. And I ended up leaving Williamsburg in like February 4th or 5th. And I remember telling my girlfriend at the time, I'll be back in a month. Let me just pack everything up. The rest is kind of history, but... You know, within that period of time, the A Space sort of deal fell through and I started advising Open, which at that stage was a Breathwork studio, a Breathwork pop-up in San Francisco and co-founded by Riot and Pete, who I'm sure you'll get a chance to meet at some point. And we just hit it off and we had a really wonderful connection and we ended up deciding to to partner up and work together and I joined as a co-founder and part of that was... The invitation to join the rest of the team here in LA.
0: Cool. Okay. Wow. I love everything you just unpacked. Thank you for laying that out for me. Okay. So you went through this fundraising process for a physical space that you had opened up. Was the plan, so you, I assume you were raising, were you raising from VCs?
1: No, I was raising family and friends at that point. Okay. Oh. And then there was there was a fund that we were talking to, but it wasn't actually for a physical space. It was for an app.
0: What was the fundraising process like for you? Had you gone through anything like that before?
1: No, and and I'm not, I'm not a business guy. You know? <laughs> it's taken I would out. beg
0: to differ because it sounds like you've made some pretty adept business moves.
1: Right. And and how much of that is karmic and how much of that is, you know, luck and, and intuition? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure, but you know, the process felt very natural. Mm-hmm. And actually for me, I had some very, I still do have some very smart investors that I call friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and advisors. And you know along the journey, whilst I was in New York fundraising, I asked lots of different people to introduce me to people that they were inspired by. And I met a group of people that I was super, super, super inspired by who were really looking to democratize the wellness space and, and really create access points for people of color, especially when it came to spirituality and, and meditation. And they were all in on the idea, especially when they had the insight around what I had done previously in Australia. Mm -hmm. And also like the the vision I had for the app, which was to blend both in person and and online experiences. And the experience was pretty seamless. Like I met some really lovely people, lots of nice dinners, fancy dinners. Mm -hmm. It wasn't hectic and it wasn't crazy. And I didn't at any time feel like I was grilled or, you know, put to the test. It all just felt very organic and I'm sure that's not the case for 90% of people that are looking to fundraise, but that was my, that was my story.
0: Wow. That's, I mean, wonderful. That's great that you had a good experience. I went through the fundraising process for holisticism when I first started and Mm -hmm. got to a point where I had my round sort of like locked in and then looked around and was like, I don't want to build anything that these people want me to build. Mm -hmm. So gave that money back and it was really hard, but
1: I was going to say congratulations on
0: choosing violence. Yeah, right. Seriously. It's like, okay, I guess I'll just burn these bridges. But I felt like I I had to learn this word compromise as opposed to sacrifice. And I think that that's something that a lot of people in the wellness and spiritual space, as they want to reach something, maybe reach more people, get more mainstream, that's hard to like choose between, right? Mm -hmm. What was it like to take the thing that you built and sort of get absorbed into a new entity? Did it feel like a compromise? And has that changed over time?
1: Yeah, I, I love that distinction that you just articulated so beautifully. I think I got to the stage being a solo founder of like six years where I was ready for a change.
0: It's so and, hard. Um,
1: it's, it was really hard. And, and 2020 and even 2019, it really became evident that I, I needed support and I needed help. And mm-hmm. I have this really interesting role. I have had this really interesting role in my life where I kind of dance between two worlds. You know, an average day could look like me, you know, preparing for a meditation class, going in and teaching, and then within 15 minutes in a finance meeting. And within that meeting, I'm jumping into a marketing planning meeting. And then, whoops, 12 o'clock, I better jump back into class. And very much using two different sides of my brain and my personality and energy and Over time, it's felt very tiring, you know, to constantly switch between Mm -hmm. these two roles. And so I I was ready for support, that's for sure. And you spoke about compromise and I think compromise has been something, probably the, the most difficult thing, you know, when you are a CEO and you're your own founder to then working in a startup that has 20 or 25 people, you're constantly having to challenge your own beliefs and your own thoughts. And luckily everyone at Open is, supremely intelligent. And, you know, I'm constantly challenged in in all the right ways.
0: Your team is amazing. Like just putting an asterisk next to that. Every single person I've talked to at open from your teachers to people that are running the business side are just stellar human beings, like in every way.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And there's something really beautiful when when you have a shared vision for something and everyone's deeply passionate about it. The passion gives way to lots of breakthroughs and lots of insights and, and it allows walls to be broken down. And I don't even see it as compromise at this stage. I, I just think it's learning. Mm. Uh, and I'm learning a lot about what life is like here in the US and, and what the audiences are resonating with and what they're not. And I'm also bringing some global experience as well to, to the brand. So yeah, there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of compromise. There is a lot of sacrifice in, in many ways, but there's definitely above anything else, lots of learning.
0: Yeah. And that is. I can imagine that that's a tricky transition going from the solo founder to having multiple co-founders. What's been the hardest transition for you to make as you kind of grieve the old version of you, the old identity that you have, and you like step into this new identity?
1: Mm. Great question. I mean, th- there's been two two transitions that have been very difficult. The first one is actually I, I came to L.A. really without an intention to ever be in L.A. for a period of time. Initially, we were all in in the Bay. We were in SF for oh. two or three months. And yeah. then you
0: have like a location in, in Venice, right?
1: We do, yeah, a studio and, and you know, all of us are living here now. But, you know, we, we were just kind of thinking, where can we set up a production studio? Because we had a very small one in the Bay. Mm-hmm. And and even though a lot of our investors were there and, you know, it was the place to be for tech, I don't think any of us were super inspired by yeah. by the Bay. Bless anyone that's living there. You know, I'm sure <laughs> one of the And so we were like, okay, maybe it's LA. Like, where would it be? You know, would we go to West Hollywood? Would it be Venice? And we all kind of just got a sense that we wanted to be by the beach. So we ended up in LA and the biggest transition was I knew very few people here in LA when I Mm. moved here, actually maybe two or three people and they all lived on the east side. Really? Uh, Yeah, yeah, they all lived on the east side. And so I moved here with my girlfriend at the time who moved from New York and we were doing long distance for like three and a half years. And so the transition was literally my, my first few months was literally going to work coming home being with her going to work coming home being with her and the the hardest realization for me was that I had built a community in Australia that was like a lifeline for me. It was a real support and that was challenging. It was really challenging, especially when work got super intense and we're fundraising again and all of those different events that happened. I really missed the ability to go and see a friend or even talk on the phone to a friend. That was probably the hardest one. And the second hardest one was when me and my partner actually split up and it became even more challenging because the, the realization at that point was that There was a sense of safety knowing that I had these two things like, you know, I had my partner had work. And then when my partner wasn't there, I'm like, well, like I am spending all my time at work. Yeah. In order for me to show up in the best possible way for work, I need to you know, really develop my self-care outside of work. And that involved really intentionally building a community and, and building friendships and cultivating a sense of a life outside of, you know, outside of open
0: Does that mean that as you're creating these new relationships and finding new sort of nooks and crannies of who you are, that you're getting out of the wellness space and you're looking for people who maybe have nothing to do with what your day to day job is and sort of the language that you've been used to speaking for so long?
1: I don't know if you know this, but it's very avoid, hard to avoid that in Venice.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. do know that. I do everyone, know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, like everyone is a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher, a and they're, a all meditation teacher. they're all hanging out <laughs> at Erewhon. They're all hanging at Erewhon, Yeah. No, like I, I have some really beautiful, beautiful friends that do work in in this space, and naturally, we we have built a, a connection around that. But I'm actively trying to look for people outside of this as well because, yeah, it, it can be for me a bit too much this constantly talking about work. Cause, cause for me it is work, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, I, I do a lot of fun things outside of meditating on the beach or, or doing breath work and, and yoga. And it's been a lot of fun. I've been, as you said, learning a lot about myself in the process, you know, in my late thirties, you know, having to really create a new life, you know, from setting up a whole new house, going to the DMV for the first time. <laughs> the like what is that You experience? mean the
0: seventh level of hell?
1: Right, right. <laughs> like it's it's really for someone that likes to be comfortable, not comfortable, someone that likes to have their routines.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: really um stretched me in I think the, the best possible way.
0: That seems like a great metaphor for just also startup life because something that one of my CEOs told me when I worked at a really high growth startup, every six months the company completely changes. Mm. So the company that you thought you had is gonna to be totally different. And we were talking about it because there's turnover from, you know, this group of people that I had started with or 20 of us working out of a warehouse, you know, to now there were 200 people and Mm. I didn't know all of them. And so many of my friends who had started with me had left and CEO said, you know, that's what happens. So we need different things. We need different people because we're a totally different company than we were six months ago. And it's almost a breakneck speed. And for those of us who are like, maybe need a lot of stimulation, that's great, but it also is unsettling. And I wonder how you make that work. You seem like an incredibly thoughtful person, obviously. And I I know so many people on your team who are really level-headed and thoughtful too. How do you do that in a wellness startup? knowing that that's what it is, and knowing that you have venture backing. So that's what expe- your investors expect and not like totally lose your mind.
1: That's the strange paradox about having a business within the world of mindfulness and meditation and spirituality is that we are constantly reconciling these two worlds, which is mm-hmm. like go, 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 growth, growth, growth versus slow down, <laughs> be mindful, <laughs> be present, be here, be kind, be compassionate. And it takes a lot of work, you know, and a lot of us come to this work, especially those that have been in the wellness world before. They're quite empathetic, you know, Mm -hmm. that they come to this work. They're quite compassionate. They've, They've experienced a lot. You know, a lot of people have experienced burnout and all that sort of stuff. And they come with the dream that they can really change the course of wellness for everyone in the future. And then they might come into contact with it. So we have our own internal processes, which, really revolve first rank connection we think that's really deep and, and powerful in our company so we try to get together as much as possible in with and without COVID restrictions and things like that we have lunch often together as a, as a team from, that's
0: so cute
1: yeah on the busy <laughs> team, from everyone from the engineers to the production staff to the teachers we each have line managers that prioritize the well-being of, of individuals but then also we have policies that allow people to take time off. You know, no questions asked. Whenever you need to, just do it. And beyond that, we have wellness stipends and, and things like that as well. So okay. I think in, in, our, in our thinking, it's like sovereignty should be with the individual. Like you choose at what point you need to take that break. And we'll always support that, right? Mm. But beyond that, we, we build a culture where we feel like we have ownership over how we look after ourselves.
0: quick little break for our sponsor, Open. Open is a digital mindfulness studio for everyone. And I was kind of expecting it to be like every other digital mindfulness app and meditation app out there. But when I logged in for my first class, it was honestly like nothing else I'd ever experienced. It was a phenomenal experience. It is so unexpected and delightful. And it's also a beautiful background experience. The vibes and the aesthetics are immaculate and it makes you feel immediately like, oh, I'm in the right place. I can breathe. Classes are available in the open app and on the desktop. There are fresh classes every day. So you can take on-demand classes or you can take live classes. You can get started with your meditation or breath work or just morning self-care, afternoon self-care, whenever you want self-care routine, and you get your first 30 days for free when you join using the code HOLISTICISM at checkout. We'll put a link below in our show notes. So if you want to meditate with us and really take advantage of that group sesh vibe, it's really fun to meditate together because accountability. But you just got to try it. Truly go look at it. It will blow your mind. And I can't wait to hear what you think. So I'll see you in class. That's really cool. And at Holisticism, we say that we're capitalism critical. So we're divesting from the problematic aspects of capitalism that we have control over. And I found that that's great and so hard. And so many times when I'm like trying to do something because I know it's right and because I know that it's important. I'm also like, yeah, I get why everyone doesn't do this. (laughs) Like I get why people hire in this way. I get why Mm -hmm. there's not mental health policies built into businesses because it does make everything really a lot harder, a lot more complicated, but also totally worth it. I'm so curious as to how you guys are approaching that. Because you do have investors and in a way you have sovereignty over your business because you're the founders, but you also have a group of people that you have to answer to and a set of metrics that you have to ideally hit in order to raise more money and to continue to help people. And how do you kind of like navigate between that?
1: Well, I think first of all, we have like really wonderful relationships with our investors and, and they've been selected based on the relationship that we've managed to cultivate over a period of time. The next thing is we genuinely believe different opinions and and different lived experiences can enhance a company and enhance the product in which we're creating. Mm -hmm. And we have some very vocal people within the company that believe in a new way of of operating and a new way of, of being. And that tension exists like it would in any company. And I think that tension really gives way to gold Mm -hmm. and really polishes the the, the diamond. It doesn't mean that we haven't made mistakes along the way and, and we probably won't in the future. It just means that we are able to have a conversation and not separate ourselves from our bodies and from the bodies that are around us. And we always find a way to come back and come to the best resolution with the tools that we have at that time. You know, so it's it's a work in progress. Is is probably the the easy cop out answer, but <laughs> it's it's something that a lot of us believe in. You know, especially when it comes to things like social justice. I sit on the board of of Lululemon's global advisory team on on this particular subject. We have people that are activists, that are you know full time employees. And we we reflect that in our hiring processes, in our policies, in the trainings that we conduct quarterly with anti-racist uh, groups and things like that. And all of it is is learning. And you know, as you know, working in tech, things move so friggin' quick yeah. that if you blink, you'll forget something. And we have people within the team that that don't forget and <laughs> and hold oh, us accountable. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, I'm very proud of that.
0: Yeah, and I mean. It kind of feels like open is like a little bit of a dichotomy, right? Just even what you're building, it's this place for you to come home to yourself, to move slow that you're venture backed, which means that by nature, you're going to scale super fast and build really quickly. We're operating under capitalism, right? In the wellness space. And we also, it sounds like what you're doing with anti-oppression work, that's totally like antithetical to what capitalism sort of like holds up, right? Like the system that it is, it doesn't have to be, but it is right now. Mm -hmm. Does it feel like there's tension? Does it feel expansive or does it feel like, whoa, I'm I'm kind of pulled in multiple directions.
1: Mm. I had a, a self-funded startup in Australia that
0: mm-hmm. lasted six years. Yeah,
1: um, that that spans the entire country, and. I rarely took home a salary in in six years, oh. and that was that was tremendously difficult, not just on me personally, but my family, and also the, the the people that really work with us. We built a tremendous brand that everyone really resonated with, and it had a lot of acclaim. But the reality was, we weren't able to do much good, apart from hot run classes. Yeah, and there were a lot of lessons that I learned there because you know I came from buddhist meditation practice and buddhism by virtue you would never teach for money like it's all based on donations we call it and when i was studying with my teacher a lot of it was based on on donation and yeah i studied with him to the point that i saw him also suffer greatly you know, he he would literally save people from suicide on a weekly basis. He was just this incredible man that had a studio at the front of his house. And he did such good work, but he was perpetually in fear of foreclosure. He was perpetually looking for what would happen next month, you know, if someone didn't donate money and and things like that. And it just wasn't I didn't feel like it was genuinely benefiting the community in that way. Mm-hmm. And there's also this really interesting paradox where there the level of value people place on something if they don't give any money is is skewed. And it's just weird human.
0: Isn't that so bizarre?
1: Yeah. It's yeah. we're all like
0: that. We're all like that. Like no one's really immune to it.
1: It's it's so interesting. And maybe this is a byproduct of capitalism, you yeah. know? Yeah, probably. probably <laughs> In the very beginning, but I have a daughter and I was very clear that when I took out a credit card and I put all of my savings to, to open our first studio, I was like I to build a life for her. I need to be able to support her in in some way. And so part of that transition was not actually teaching Buddhist meditation exclusively. It was teaching you know mindfulness meditation practices and breath work and and different practices that people were charging double everywhere else. Mm-hmm. I realised in, in that whole experience there was a lot of suffering that I incurred and maybe karmically it was really wonderful and in my next life I'll be a king and I'll live <laughs> in very lavishly but I was suffering, like genuinely yeah. suffering. And the level of uh, impact I could make was, was quite minimal, you know. And the one thing I've seen in, you know, in the 18 months that I've been with Open so far is that we can make an impact. We can make an impact in, in many different ways in many different channels through donations, through collaborations, through highlighting different people in, in the community doing the work. And the, the level of suffering that we have to incur is individually is a lot less. Mm-hmm. And that feels at this moment really good. And, and not to say that it will always feel like that. And there, there will definitely come a point and, and a time where there'll be competing ideologies and will be stretched in perhaps ways that we can't come back together. But I feel very secure and I feel very held by my two co-founders in our vision of creating accessibility, of creating connection and creating a presence with everyone else. And I know that's a vision that everyone has really shared within the company. So wait and see maybe is, is is my philosophy on that. But I also think that we can, we are doing a tremendous amount of good in the world with what we have. And, and that excites me.
0: Yeah, it's such a good point. We often sort of like martyr ourselves for a cause because we think that that's the noble thing to do, or that's what impact means. But it doesn't have to. And I don't know, the way I talk about it a lot with students or with other people that I work with is we need to aim for longevity. Like the, mm-hmm. the actual antithesis of extractive capitalism is is longevity. And so what do we need in order to make sure that we're here and doing our work for as long as possible at a high level? And mm-hmm. And that means like you need to be well-resourced. Yeah. And in all the ways, you know?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And and interestingly enough, there's stories about the Buddha, like when he became enlightened and he started going by the name of the Buddha, he was very close with lots of kings and wealthy merchants. And he was like somewhat of a politician because he realized <laughs> in order for his message to spread, he needed funding, right? Mm-hmm. And so he kept all these really rich, wealthy people around him that really supported the work that he did. And not to say that the Buddha ever took advantage of capitalism 500 <laughs> years ago, but I think there is there is some level of, of insight there where we need to be resourced. As you say, we need to have the means to be able to do the work that, that we're doing, even if it's not individually for, for the collective, there needs to be that, that access.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of, you know, Mother Teresa had a private jet or she had access to a private jet. We kind of forget that, you you can't just sacrifice yourself in for your, your purpose. And in our sacred work, like part of what we're here to do is enjoy life. Mm. And so much of wellness in the wellness world is about like ascension and moving mm. past this human experience to be spiritual. But yeah, I, don't I, know, I really
1: don't understand what that means, if I'm being <laughs> really honest with you, like moving past this human life to for ascension and spirituality is. Firstly, the most LA thing I've heard. <laughs> like,
0: you would definitely overhear that in line at Erewhon. Right,
1: sure. <laughs> exactly. But you know, for me, wellness is really coming into contact with the human experience and being in touch with it in in all its rawness and finding the the happiness and the ease and the joy within within the human experience, right? Not not without. And I feel like the the work that we're doing is is also part of that. Like mm-hmm. in All going well, knock on wood. Six or seven years, we might look back on it and be like, "Remember the days that I used to eat like noodles?" And because I used to sleep in my old studio, there were points that you know we we couldn't we couldn't pay our rent for a few weeks. So me and my my partner at the time, we would just like sleep after we'd finished working. And we always had this thought in our mind that one day we're gonna look back on it and we're gonna be on how I built this. (laughs) I'm gonna be talking about that time we slept Uh in the studio, you know. uh, but yeah, I think it's it's a different world and money isn't the root of of evil. It's the greed. That's the root the root of evil.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I think money just amplifies what's already there. Yeah. So if you don't work through your stuff when you get money, it's just going to just it's just a magnifying glass for who you who you are in that moment.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: What has it been like to Okay, let me go back a little bit. I'm so fascinated by intuitive business and the business of wellness and well being. I've been watching Open for a while since you guys have been in stealth mode, so for probably like a while. Very flattering. And...
1: You guys are super cool.
0: <laughs> I'm so impressed by everything. And I, I truly think that you guys are the next Peloton. I don't know if that's where you're where you're trying to go, but I'm really interested in the way that so many new wellness startups are viewing people and their instructors as talent and as an extreme value add to what the business does. Mm. And I actually think that humanist perspective coming from a lot of a bunch of technologists is fascinating, and it's working. It's working for Peloton. And I'm just curious what it's like. I I feel like you kind of got acquired, right? Like your business, and you kind of got acquired by Open, and all that you've worked on your whole life is kind of under this new umbrella. What's that like? Do you feel like that? And what about your teachers? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think the company is nothing without the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you know we we know that already but i think that the real beauty is especially in this space of digital wellness people really want to form a connection with the person on the other side of the screen right mm-hmm. that's that's partly why peloton has done so well during the pandemic is that yes. we were we were stuck inside the house and you know we know they tripled in business within 12 months we're stuck inside this house and there's a person on the other side and We need more than just, hey, this is downward dog. We want to see them. We want to feel that they see us and in their stories we build a connection and in their vulnerability we develop a feeling and an emotion and so our teachers are the heart and soul of open for sure and we have a very rigorous process in in also selecting them and we've brought teachers across from Canada from Australia from New York
0: your teachers Um, are amazing they're like unparalleled that's
1: the best compliment thank you yeah Mm -hmm. they are you know, we are so lucky to, to have them and they've chosen us because they could have walked into any platform, you know, mm-hmm. being a superstar teacher there. And I think the the real magic is in cultivating a community within a community. Mm-hmm. If like all of us spend so much time together, like that's, first of all, part of the the beauty of it is that the majority of us are from different parts of the world. So we don't have many friends in, in <laughs>
0: So you have to hang out with each other. Got it.
1: We have to hang out with each other, right? (laughs) But also we have a a lot of respect and and love and admiration because everyone brings a a different talent to open and and to the business. And then it's really our job to make them feel valued enough Mm -hmm. to to want to invest their time, their energy, their IP into the company. And the the reciprocity there is that they believe in, in what we're doing and they believe that not just what we're doing is special. They believe in the team behind what we're doing, and these little you know weekly catch-ups that we have and lunches and get-togethers, we get to see that. You know, my partner, Ride the CEO, is very transparent in how our business is doing each week. He has like an open forum conversation with with okay. anyone that wants to ask questions. Our Slack channel, everyone can view, and and there is there's a lot of transparency within our company. You know, all that being said, we're a startup. So there's also like, a, let me just put my chips here and see, <laughs> let's just see what happens. And I think that's that's where intuition really also plays into it, right? Each of us has had opportunities to join bigger companies and there's been something that has drawn us to, to open, whether that's the, the deal that's offered or whether that's the team behind the deal or whether that's the opportunity of, of really owning something unique. And I feel very fortunate that our teachers have said yes to to being part of our mission.
0: Yeah, they're all so good. But I think that there's like this new breed of wellness person, right? Who's interested in the the intersection of all of these identities. And I kind of feel like there's a revolution in self-development work. For so long, people have been talking about reducing yourself down to the purest version of who you are, right? This like Mm -hmm. singular identity or at least from my perspective. And I think now we're actually embracing the fact that we have so much dimension inside of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really exciting. And I'm not sure everyone's on board with it in the wellness space. I'm not sure everyone's down to flex that hybrid muscle. What do you think?
1: Well, I think it's intersectionality in, in, in a way. That, yes. oh, about. And that is I, a,
0: a much more eloquent way of saying it. Yes.
1: <laughs> no, and, and I think it's, it's true. Like, you know, 2020, there was a conscious of cri- uh, crisis of consciousness, but there was also a crisis of identity, mm-hmm. right? Who am I if I am not this person? Who am I if I'm not a founder? Who am I if I'm not an athlete? Who am I if I'm not this? Mm-hmm. And we really had to explore the, the depths of our being and to to really understand what lights us up and that's why we've seen so many people write books you know in, Mm -hmm. in COVID and people start little side hustles that have blown up and I think we also live in a very different world these days you know like we we are Uh, inundated with more messages than we ever have been we have more interests and we have more we have more concerns and and care for things that perhaps we ever have before and Mm -hmm. it's hard to it's really difficult to just put put something you care deeply about to the side you know Mm -hmm. and and I think the world now allows for that as well which is which is beautiful and I think the the next stage of startups and, and businesses that we'll see in the next 10 to 20 years is going to be really breathtaking because the, the co-founders and, and the entrepreneurs that are coming through now have so much more so much more interest than just making money, mm-hmm. you know, and they genuinely want to, to change the world. And, and I see it just in people of my daughter's generation, some of the things that they care about. My daughter's 19. And when she was 18, she started like an eyelash company. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, are you like what my-, a baller. my- <laughs> right I'm like you my child because when I was 18 <laughs> I was I was having a child and I was like not responsible and I was like wild and out and here you are you know she's registered the business copyrighted the name and I'm like how do Amazing. you know how do this right so I, I think like in her business actually she started off and it was just around creating eyelashes for women of color and I'm like just the even recognition that yeah. that is something Wait, that
0: plug the business plug the business if we i don't it. know if
1: she's still doing it now like she's put it on hold because she's at college but uh, okay. um it's called ivory may lashes i don't think you could look it up even but just that gumption to want to do something and then going out and doing it yeah. is so exciting to see
0: yeah wow that's so cool and also like having a person you have a whole person that you're responsible for like
1: wow yeah yeah it's it's all it's It's like a, it's like a startup, (laughs) you know, you have a
0: never ending startup,
1: (laughs) A never ending startup you know, you want to go public, but it just, you'd have to wait 18 (laughs) years at at a minimum for for that. No, I think that's no matter how hard work is, I think being a parent is, is the greatest test of one's character.
0: It seems like it. I'm like endlessly impressed with people who, who do it, who choose it. Or mm. or don't choose it, you know. It's thrust upon them, and then, and then go make things and and also make their identity outside of just being a parent. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with being a parent, but that oh, yeah. allow themselves all of that dimension and holding holding two things that might not you know necessarily go together together at the same time. It's just like yeah, so so inspiring to me. I don't I don't know how you do it. I'm so impressed. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I was very fortunate that, you know, I became uh, an entrepreneur really much later on in my daughter's life. But, you know, to, to an extent, I was teaching solo for many, many years. And, and that is a form of entrepreneurship in and of itself. Totally. But I, I do, yes, definitely wonder how, you know, especially single mothers that I've seen, you know, are, are able to look after their children and, and show up to work and then go back home and, and just show up in that way. Because, yeah, it's. I think being a parent, being a, a mother, is probably the hardest thing in the world, and you know, you don't get acknowledged for that.
0: Yeah, and we we are at this. We're at this really interesting time where maybe that will change. You know, like maybe we will pay caretakers. So. So. You know, and build that those types of programs into our businesses. And you know, you and I get to like make those choices. My My big goal is to give all my employees a year of maternity leave. So that's what I'm working on because I'm also one of my employees. So I really want a year of maternity leave if I ever choose to have a kid. I think that that's one of the coolest things about getting to start your own business is that you just kind of get to make up your own rules and you're like, well, this sounds cool. Let's see if we can do it.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: (laughs) I feel like I could continue to just like pick your brain because you have so much self knowledge and you're so much smarter than me. What question did I not ask you that I should have asked you?
1: probably like 15 questions that we (laughs) could spend an hour talking I think why like why am I doing this why open yeah what's the end goal really and when people have so much choice and and so much option I spent a lot of time thinking about why I would want to move my life at this point in my career over to the US in the middle of a pandemic by the way yeah and do this and it was because I believe there is something really unique at this point in time in which we're realising our own individual wellness is intrinsically connected to the wellness of others. And for anyone that's practised with us on Open, you know that community is, is at the heart of that conversation. We've had you know, dear friends Sinekewe on there a few times and other experts in their field on there. And I think this idea of separating our personal well-being with others is kind of long gone Mm. and what most excited me about this opportunity was this ability to bring people to a space of mindfulness through the body mind and the breath which is something that I think is quite unique right in in this space and combine that with the support of a genuine community and a genuine group of people that surrounds that I think has the power to change the world that's a very grandiose claim but You know, I we get messages each week. Renee, who manages our inbox, gets these messages each week, and we have a channel called "Why We Do This" on our Mm, Slack.
0: That's important.
1: Yeah, and literally every day we get messages about people that have met a best friend on on Open's platform, or they've found a sense of acceptance of their body, or they've meditated for the first time, or they've had a moment of insight. And I think that. Really is the end goal, and the end game is to do that to scale, is to bring people back home to their bodies, bring people to a space of insight and wisdom and connection.
0: Yeah. And I I think that if you hop on the platform and you take class, you see that it feels like energetically concentric circles to me is what open is. It's just, it's all connected. And I love that there's not a separation between well being and community. And like what it is to be a person in the world right now, which is to be political and to mm. like be, in, be involved and to not be separate from these big, you know, complex ideas that exist mm. that we're grappling with every day. For, I feel like for so long, people have said, you know, leave everything outside, outside the meditation room, leave it out mm-hmm. and just come in here and find your peace in here. And I, I, I respect that, but I feel like at open, it's different. It's like, we can hold both these things. Like this is why we kind of have to. And I actually have a story for why we do this. My husband has brain cancer and Mm -hmm. he has, so he has a brain tumor and he gets it checked on every, you know, three months to make sure it's not growing. And in June, we got a scan back that looked like there's tumor growth and he's got a really serious type of cancer. So we had to wait four weeks to get another scan to see if there was growth and uh, everything that goes along with that, or if it was some weird fluke, or if there was something we could do to maybe shrink it down. And it was the worst four weeks ever to not really be able to talk about it and not know what was going on. And I've got so many wellness tools in my toolkit, and none of them were working. <laughs> I was like, "Shit, I still feel like absolute ass, and I can't shake this." And I'm a member of Open, and I have been for a while. I was like, "Okay, I gotta just like go every day. I think that that's what I need to do. I'm just gonna do it for seven days." And I did. And I did like 10 minutes of breath work every day or or just meditation. And in every single class, within the first minute, I thought I was fine. Then I was sobbing. And then by the end, I was okay. And it was like something broke in me, but in a good way. And I really don't know what it would have been like if I hadn't been able to have that release because it was so, it's so intense to be grappling with mortality of the person you love most in the world. And it's making me tear up thinking about it, but I was so grateful that I was able to have that experience. And it was so easy. You know, I could just like roll out of bed with morning breath and like bad hair and hop into class with George or with you or with Allie. And that really made like the biggest difference in the world. And thankfully we got Ethan's scan back. He's good. His tumor went back down to normal size, but it just, yeah, sometimes you don't know what you need until you're able to sit and and make some space for yourself. So thank you for building such an incredible platform.
1: Wow. I just want to take a moment and just notice my body after you said that. Yeah. I feel emotion actually. (laughs) I feel, I feel, yeah, I feel a lot of emotion, especially because I'm thinking about Ethan and how beautiful he is you know and, and the times that we've spent uh, yeah, briefly it's the best <laughs> it really is everyone and thank you you know for doing that and and it does really it reaffirms the the struggle of startup life when you hear things like that it really reaffirms the the mission and the vision of of what we're doing and why we do it because the interesting thing for us and and even before open for me was that I'm not really selling candy. Like, you know, I'm not selling a, a
0: product. <laughs> you're not. No, you're right. That's mm-hmm. not it's not candy. <laughs>
1: it's not candy, right? And so it sometimes would be easy to sell candy because there's no emotional attachment to the the product that we're putting out there. Mm-hmm. It's just this fixed object. But what our teachers give and, and what our teachers provide is like their heart and soul, you know, mm-hmm. every every class. And there's so much weight that you place on that as you put it out there into the world and you don't know who's on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be no one, it could be three people. George always has his dad showing up, which I love <laughs> you know, the sweetest thing ever. And his name is George too. Um, and so you, you never really know who's on the other side of those things and, and how the work that you are putting out into the world is, is received. And for me, the reason I started teaching is because I wanted to, to heal because that's what I experienced through meditation practice. And I know our teachers are are similarly inclined because they believe everything in in what they do. So thank you. I'm very happy that Ethan's doing well and honored that you would be part of this community and and share your time with us. So thank you.
0: Hey, you guys make it easy. And and yeah, I feel like people will think that I'm bluffing when I say like, it's truly like, I don't really like meditation. I don't really like breath work. It, It isn't candy to me. It's hard for me. I know I have to do it. I have to take it like my vitamins. And again, going back to that idea of concentric circles and the holistic care that you take at open from the neuroesthetics and the design of uh, the platform to the sound, to the way that like you have these real humans in your community and teaching is, it's unparalleled and it's really something special. So we're, we're huge fans. <laughs>
1: So much. I'm, I'm honored, really.
0: <laughs> well, Manoj, it was so good to have, talking to you. How can people find you and how can they take class with you at Open?
1: Yeah. So you can find us on Open. We have the weirdest spelling of our website. <laughs> it's really, it was cool at the time and we thought we were really original, but then we had to spell it out, which is ope dot com. You can try out it or not.
0: Actually, uh, 30 can- days with the holisticism code. Look out. I know. Look
1: out! Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can definitely do it for thirty days. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram. That's really, the only place I am these days. Although, like Renee's trying to get me onto TikTok. I would love about... to see you
0: on TikTok. I feel like that would be right. That's the right <laughs> move. Yeah, memes only from you.
1: I just don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have to brush up on my dance. dance <laughs> Yeah, you can you can follow us, and you know the the app and the teachers are incredible. And now is a wonderful time to just connect to yourself and and to other people. And I hope that's what Open really provides.
0: Cool. Thanks, Manoj.
1: Thanks, Michelle.
0: All right. And that is our episode. Thanks for tuning in. Just as a reminder, we are doing a giveaway this month of our Holisticism Swaggy Sweatshirts for Q3. We've got three sweatshirts. They are all delightful. You can order any of them for the next couple of weeks. But if you want to get one for free, you can write a review of the podcast, take a screenshot and send it to us at the text line below. We are so grateful every time that you write reviews and it really makes a big difference to help people find us. So thanks for that. And finally, of course, make sure that you redeem your free month to open. You literally have nothing to lose. <laughs> it's awesome. Take my class. Take class with me. I don't teach. <laughs> Just like I'll sit in class with you. So let me know when you're going to take class and I'll try to join you. But I think you're going to love it. Okay. That's enough. I'm going to see you later. I'm going to talk to you soon. I love you so much. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you on the internet. Okay. Bye.